and welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who you will almost assuredly not see at a The 1975 concert anytime soon. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Hey, that's absolutely the truth, Kieran. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> and uh, if you're curious why that is, just do a little bit of Google research and you'll find some 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 wild stuff, uh, especially when it pertains to someone near and dear to Cody's heart. Um, well, okay, Cody, first thing I wanted to do to start out this podcast, and it is, is kind of weird uh, considering what we just saw here on Sunday afternoon, but the first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to congratulate Alex Lane on becoming an all-star for the first time because uh, the other candidates, the other competition – not going to be on the ball field anytime soon, and that is really where we start. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez gets an injury. I'm just going to sum up the week real quick here, Cody, so bear with me for a second. Eduardo Rodriguez gets an injury associated with rock climbers, right? <laughs> and then Riley Green has a stress fracture, which, you know, by definition is an injury you can't see, right? Or even, you know, doesn't hurt all that much. That's how it happened. We'll talk about it in a second. And the Tigers have a rookie make his debut, no hitter, into the six, lose, and then lose again the next day by what I can only describe as the most bizarre and kind of like hurtful, literally. Way to lose a game is you get crossed up with the pitcher and the catcher, and it hits the umpire's face mask, walk off win. Uh, there was every run was a uh, wild pitch, I believe that game. What a week! What a week, Cody. And it, well, like so, like you know, I, I I kind of try to plan out where we're you know. Well, all right, I'll put a video up on like Wednesday or something, or like Thursday, or when it's like a pitcher related thing, his next start. And I couldn't put any videos <laughs> up on YouTube this week, Cody, because the vibe that we were talking about last week completely different it would have felt weird to kind of rehash that this is a completely different tiger season now compared to literally just one week ago when we were talking yeah my how the tables turn in not in a good way this time for the tigers kind of unbelievable right it's just like what are the odds you lose your two best players within 24 hours of each other both to injuries that a little bit gray on what the timeline is but it's looking like multiple weeks minimum for both of these guys uh we can go into that more if you want but i don't want to bore people with the medical stuff bottom line is chances are these dudes are both out several weeks i guess riley greens they're now calling it a stress reaction instead of a stress fracture which is like a stress fracture but not quite as bad i don't know how much that'll make a difference uh and suddenly it feels like a very critical juncture in the tigers season you go from feeling pretty good about things hey you got a shot in this division so you lose three in a row to your, the White Sox. You're without your two best players. The holes in this lineup uh, are more apparent than ever. And your pitching depth. Now, Alex Fajardo's on the IL with a, a cracked fingernail. I mean, your pitching depth has been exposed very, very quickly. It was just a few weeks ago the Tigers felt confident enough in their depth that they were going to straight up demote Spencer Turnbull. Uh, and now it's like, oh, if only Spencer Turnbull were healthy, you know, we, maybe we would be able to round out a, a complete five-man rotation. Um, you know, this, this it's going to be an important couple of weeks coming up to see if the Tigers can in any way hang on. If you can stay afloat until you get some of your guys back healthy, uh, early indications are not looking so good after you lose three in a row to the White Sox, after you don't hit at all with runners in scoring position, after you lose those last two games, and in a rather awful fashion not even a five-man infield could save the tigers uh yeah you know and kind of feel i feel like a little bad for alex lang's era there where it's like a grand slam yeah. <laughs> you know ends the game but it's like that that ball could have been 30 feet shorter it would have been you know the game would have been over you know so that's just kind of well, I mean, bottom line is if situation. you don't walk the guys then your era yeah. doesn't take the hit so yeah you're absolutely right I mean, I do want to spend just, like, a little bit of time on, like... So, first of all, you you guys at The Athletic, do you guys just have, like, various doctors on retainer? Or do you just, like, have to seek out specialists whenever some weird injury happens? Because you got a guy that, as plainly as you could explain, Eduardo Rodriguez's injury. 
which actually wasn't very plain, but as plain as you could explain it, you've got to explain medically. Like, I kind of get it, like, reading it, but I don't know if I could, like, regurgitate it back to you, you know what I mean? So, uh, so I guess I'm just kind of curious, I guess, like, do you guys just, like, how did you get this doctor? How did you get this doctor to explain this? And then, like, uh, you yeah, know, how that Yeah, went? I don't know if I even want to reveal this, uh, but pull a, a competitive advantage strategy here, like the Tigers. Like, I, I have my ways of getting some doctors, but it seems like another publication has decided to uh, to copy my ways. So I was a little bit upset about that this Ooh. week. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a PR hookup that can easily uh, – get some doctors from the the Kerwin Job Institute out in California, which is where Tommy John surgery was first invented. Uh, they do a good job of having doctors available to explain various injuries. I've used them uh, a couple times in the last two years when we've had some weird things happen. If you remember the Casey Mize MRI fiasco last year, had a doctor explain why there are different types of MRIs, why this valgus stress MRI could reveal something that is standard MRI wouldn't. Um, and so in the case of Eduardo Rodriguez, layman's terms way to explain it, right? Your fingers, you have tendons that are attached to the bone, but that tendon isn't just like magically stuck on the bone. There are these little tunnels, basically. Think of them as like almost hooks uh, called pulleys that, that extends throughout your finger. It keeps the tendon attached to your bone. So Eduardo ruptured one of these pulleys, basically the tunnel tore the tendon itself, as I understand it, is not torn, but because this uh, this tunnel is, is torn, it creates pain and it can create problems with that tendon. So that's basically what he's dealing with. It can sometimes happen in pitchers, again, much more common in rock climbers. Um, you look at some of the other examples of pitchers this has happened to. Uh, Adam Wainwright way back in 2008 missed about 10 weeks. Randy Dobnak from the Twins missed... Two and a half months, came back, hurt his finger again, came back the next offseason, ruptured a different pulley in the finger. Basically, his career has not been the same. Uh, tough to know exactly how severe this will be for Eduardo. Depends on is it a huge tear, is it a minor tear, whatever. Uh, but, but it certainly sounds like that whole, oh, Tigers are going to have the hottest name at the trade deadline. They still might have a pretty hot name. But it adds one more pretty big complication into what was already a kind of a layered discussion in whether to trade Eduardo Rodriguez and what you might get in return. Now it's, is he going to be healthy before the trade deadline? Will other teams view him as damaged goods? Uh, basically, I think it gives the Tigers a little bit less leverage. I guess uh, we can go deeper into it. The one thing that hasn't been brought up a lot is if he does miss some time, if he's not healthy by the trade deadline... Uh, Maybe he doesn't opt out after all, which long-term could be a good thing for the Tigers. But that's where we stand. It adds one more question to what was already a, a, a difficult situation. All right, so I actually kind of think that what camp you were in, trade Erod, you retain Erod, and just, you know, write out the season, opt out, sign him, all that stuff. I actually don't know if this, like, whatever camp you were in, I don't think you change your mind now. Because if you're like, all right, well, we have to trade him. Now it's like, well, now we have to because he's injured and we got to try to get something. He's going to opt out and, like, we just – we, we got to get some sort of return more than a comp pick, right? And then if you're in the in the realm of not trading him, which is what, like, I had talked about last week, you're kind of like, well, what are you even going to get? Like, is this really going to be worthwhile to trade, like, an ace, a number three on a really good staff or, you know, whatever? Are you going to get some – some guy that maybe down the line could turn into, you know, some sort of utility player. Is that worthwhile, or is it better off just kind of forming a relationship with him, telling your your clubhouse you believe in the team still, you know, whatever, all these things. And now these are the thoughts that are going through my mind on Monday. Uh, Tuesday we get into a little different discussion. But, but I think, like, it muddies the waters, obviously, in terms of the the value. I just, I really think it diminishes what team, first of all, there are going to be so many low ball offers for Eduardo Rodriguez. Scott Harris is going to pull all of his hair out. I'm telling you, <laughs> because no team is going to offer you anything, and you're going to have to, like, ride it out to the last second. You're not going to be able to get ahead of the market on this, and... 
to me, like if like the only way you can spin it is like, well, then you get a guy like you're, he's not even an opt out guy at this point. That's the only way you could spin it. If you're like Scott Harris, like he's going to stay on. And then if he's healthy, he'll be, you know, good value, as we've said. But I just don't know. Like I said last week. Yeah. So you want to be a Major League Baseball GM? Uh, <laughs> you want to trade your ace who's injured? Uh, so I actually don't know. Like it changes it. But I think like the posts of the discussion kind of stay the same and i don't know if i could come off that without knowing what is what he looks like on the way out which i guess we're like two weeks away from just seeing what the damage is and then it's like rehab after that Uh, you explain in your story if you're an athletic subscriber you can read all that and get the the breakdown directly words from the good doctor there so i feel like it if I had to land on one side, I'd say it makes it harder to trade him because you're just going to be selling him at like. I think it absolutely diminishes know, the 40, value. Forty a cents bit, yeah. on the dollar, thirty cents on the dollar. I, I, also hard to, to say. Do? I mean, I think I think to some degree the discussion is tabled until the middle of July. Let's see where Eduardo's at. Is he thrown in the major leagues? Is he not? Do we have an, an idea when he will return? If he comes up and makes two starts before the trade deadline and absolutely shoves stock can go back up pretty quickly at the same time he's a left-handed starter he's going to be in demand if that's the case there's also a world in which he's not healthy and what do you do then uh i think there we now have even more variable factors the point you can you can speculate a million ways it's going to come down to where that finger is at as we get close to the trade deadline well the injury that happened on tuesday you would probably think makes it actually easier to swallow train Ed Rodro, and that's the Riley Green stress reaction. Uh, I would love to get into a world one day, Cody, where we can not have to deal with multiple MRI. Like this test showed this, and this <laughs> test showed that, and we'll never, we'll never actually get there because technology will advance such that there's going to be more options for tests, not less. Right? Uh, so. Actually, correct me if I'm wrong here. Didn't you guys present him with the uh, Rookie of the Year award from the Baseball Writer? Baseball, ugh, I always get it confused. Baseball Writers of Association of America, Detroit chapter. Sorry if I got that wrong. Uh, you guys presented him with the Rookie of the Year award. See this nice picture of you and your your colleagues. And then, like, I'm listening to the radio, you know, going out to get something to eat, and it's like Riley has exited the game. I'm like. This can't be good. This can't be good. That that tough son of a gun. So I don't know. I guess like, did you notice any laboring when you were posing for pictures with the guy? I mean, you're not going to get any closer than that, dude. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the media's fault. He actually got two awards. <laughs> one from like some broadcasters association that was rookie of the year, and then he got Tiger of the year for last season from the BBWAA. You know, he's having to come carry a couple little trophies back in the dugout might have weighed him down put some more stress on that leg and boom there there goes your season right um no I'm, I'm not sure exactly how it happened there's been some speculation about that catch he made at the wall i i don't know my understanding of like a stress fracture generally something that kind of adds up more over time rather than an isolated event hard to say bottom line though um yeah the guy's hurt Happened to come at terrible timing, both right after we gave him an award and right uh, right as he was really heating up. Right, We said last week, like, why isn't this dude on MLB Network, you know? And then uh, next day, he had a segment on MLB Network, Mark DeRosa breaking down his swing. So we make things happen here on Turning a Corner. Uh, and I guess the BBWAA also may have played a role in this injury happening. <laughs> yeah, okay, so a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking in regards to... Riley Green, his style of play, where he should yeah. play. Uh, I think you and I are pretty vocal about saying, like, let the kid do what he does. You yeah. know, like, you don't, you don't want to take that away from him. That's part of, like, what makes him special. Stress fracture, I'm with you. I It's hard for me to, like, look at, like, one event and say, like, that's where it happened. I'm pretty sure that's, like, the antithesis of what, like, a stress fracture is. But I'm not a doctor, all right? I don't, I don't know. Uh to me, this is just too random, and anyone kind of clamoring to like find a reason, I think, is just kind of stretching a little bit, you know. And 
there's some, been some talk. We got a question uh, from a listener about like, is this like further indication that he'll like you yeah. know eventually be a corner guy? And I say no, just in the sense that that was probably where we were going anyway. So I don't think it really changes it. And also, I would probably argue, if we wanted to go kind of deeper into it, I would probably argue that he's probably going to be more prone to collisions if he was in a corner because you're going to have shorter walls and multiple walls, right? Like, I, 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 that argument, I think, could be had, is all I'm saying. Whereas, you know, center field, he's mainly hitting grass, right? So, I... I to me, I'm not in. I don't really want to like try to overreact to it, other than that it sucks and it leaves a huge hole. He's still 22. I'm not sure when his birthday is. 22, 23 years old. Uh, he's a young kid. His body overall can take it. This is kind of like a fluke thing. Maybe had something to do with added stress in a particular aspect of his game, but I don't necessarily think it would have been reliant on defense in terms of, in terms of what led to that injury. I would also add that he might be a little too tough for his own good because if you remember the the ball off his foot, he laid, legged out a triple right afterward. He stayed in the game as long as he could on Tuesday, and then you know AJ had to kind of pull him. Uh, you guys reported that he fought to stay in the game, and obviously AJ's instincts were 100% correct on that. So I just think... We in this country just always got to blame something or someone for everything that happens. And to me, this is just kind of the randomness. Another example of the randomness of baseball. I don't necessarily find any sort of, like, we have to do something to prevent this yeah, from happening I, going I, forward. The same thing absolutely could have happened if you were playing left field all season. Guess what? Left fielders get hurt too. Right fielders get hurt too. Center field, probably at least the general belief. I don't know if there's any data that supports this. Is center field takes a little more toll on the body, could leave you at more at risk for injury. Uh, but as you said, I don't. I probably think probably more muscle stuff. Though. Maybe so. Um, I think the long term rough plan was probably always one day, not just to protect Green's health, but one day maybe you you find. A center fielder who covers a little more ground, who's closer to a, an elite center fielder. Riley Green obviously makes some great highlight plays, um, but so do a lot of center fielders. I don't think he's quite at that elite tier defensively. And, you know, as he ages, his range theoretically will only decline a little bit. Uh, I think the Tigers always had that in mind. I, you know, I was even hearing that in spring training. They were looking for a way to get him to a corner eventually. Um does this maybe accelerate that push, that idea? I don't know. You know, if I if I were Scott Harris, I wouldn't I wouldn't let it force anything, you know. If you happen to come upon an upgrade at center field, if Parker Meadows starts hitting and you think he's a better center fielder, you can make that switch. If you don't, again, these two injuries to Riley, one he fouled the ball off his foot, this stress fracture, again, hard to say what caused that could have happened anywhere in a sport where you're playing every single day. Um Right, so I don't think you overreact to it. I don't think it's related to the fact he's a center fielder. I do think it is a devastating, devastating injury to this team at a terrible time. Uh, this guy who had really been carrying your lineup. I mean, that that that's the bottom line. It just sucks. And it sucks for Riley, who is coming into his own and who had been so fun to watch. And now you're without him, and now it's like, all right, we're going to hit. Akil Badu third and hope for the best. Uh, Akil had been really hot, but uh, he's not really what you want in the middle of the order hitter, I don't think. Um, so very quickly, we're back to talking about what we've been talking about since January. Why is this lineup not any better? <laughs> well, uh, i tell you, every time, and I, we'll talk about him in a second, but every time I see, like, Maton at, like, five, DHing, I'm just like, good God. Like, I this had nothing to do with the Riley Green injury, but on Monday, I was... Uh, I texted, I'm pretty sure it was Monday, I texted you. No, no, it was Tuesday. It was definitely Tuesday. I was like, or maybe it was Wednesday. All the days run together. But I was like, this lineup, good God. Yeah. Like, AJ, I hope he had a puff of something or a drink of something after having to write that in because it's like, Jesus. And then, you know, at one point you see your starting catcher in left field and, like, what, your second string uh, utility guy in center and your third fourth string utility guy and right and it's like 
Jesus. I mean, we'd be talking about Matt Beerling for eight minutes in any other week about <laughs> yeah. like what this what this meant. I almost forgot to mention. Uh, him yeah, just we then. just now mentioned him. Yeah, Matt Beerling too. <laughs> like that. In terms of just like options, I know like he's still. We're still trying to figure out what kind of guy he is, but just in terms of options, that's a huge loss, you know. And like, God bless AJ for having to do this uh, every day. And I'll tell you what, well, like one of the things I was really looking for this week watching the games, and I knew obviously we'd be talking about. It, I was gonna say like how the team kind of handled it, like in when, when they were playing Texas and things are going bad. You're playing like a top notch team. God, the Rangers are so good, uh, you know. Best team money can buy right now, and I don't mean that as an insult. You know, that's exactly what happened. Uh, it seems like AJ. I don't see like a like a negative AJ in the dugout. It just seems like re- regular cool AJ. So that was that was good to see. And then Clubhouse, you wrote about this too about how players are reacting uh, to again your two stars. You're probably your two favorite guys to have as teammates in terms of their production, at least like go down like that so i guess you know a little clubhouse vibes check here cody because this is this was a week i know the record wasn't great but this was a week where you could have dudes just emotionally cratering Mm -hmm. and from afar i didn't see that there was it was a bad week bad kind of losses all this stuff i didn't see guys not engaged so clubhouse wise what did you kind of observe Yeah, as I wrote, you know, at the end of that Rangers series, it was kind of another testament to how strong this clubhouse has been. You didn't feel that emotional reaction. Guys were in there, and it was kind of business as usual. You still had guys joking around, playing ping pong. It wasn't the Detroit Tigers moping around feeling sorry for themselves. And I, I know they all hate it for Riley Green, who's a very popular teammate from everything I can tell, in addition to his sheer production. But you didn't feel that emotional hit, which to me was a sign of some, some resilience from these guys. Full disclosure, I wasn't on this trip in Chicago, won't be in Philadelphia. I was actually uh, attending a funeral back home this weekend, so not sure how the vibes are looking after a three-game sweep um, against the White Sox. We'll be interested to see how things go against Philadelphia and when the team uh, comes home, you know, see if there has been any shift in the room. Given everything I've seen from this team so far, I think they're better equipped personality-wise to handle this. Uh, but when things start going south, like I said, this this just feels like a critical juncture, man. These next couple weeks, if they go, if if things go bad, you could be out of it, right? Or you could stay afloat and give yourself a little bit of a chance. And if things start going poorly, how does that room respond? As much positive things as I've seen from this team, this is the biggest adversity the Tigers have faced yet. Well, you know, there's a lot more. Some guys got to pull more than they have been, maybe have ever been asked to in certain cases. Like, Torque had the home run today that maybe on another day is... I actually thought, I was like, are we going to have to have a Will Vest conversation? And I was kind of like, you know, <laughs> thinking about segments, you know, and yeah, nah, that could wait, I think. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Torque had the home run today. Obviously, you're going to need much more production from him. Uh, Baez doing some Baez things. Yeah, I. He's, he's done some Baez uh, things, but Javi, this is this is the time when you need your hundred forty million dollars short, shortstop to to get it rolling. And a good I'll time this, for your one one pick to show more power, you know. And mm-hmm. today's a start, but there's there are guys still left on. with pedigree that that you like say like this is kind of why you got paid. This is why you were picked here. Is that like you know kind of make things happen and again people don't really like me saying this but like i find value in guys that play javi plays man sure. you know there's as imperfect a player as he is like all right javi's at three this lineup i've seen a lot worse lineups than javi batting third let me tell you uh you know just in our time doing this podcast so it, it also kind of begs the question cody like what there was talk about pitching depth earlier how you were kind of feeling good there was a time where your you know your position player depth you were feeling kind of nice or like a little bit more comfortable we're still waiting to kind of see what Kerry Carpenter what's going to happen with Kerry Carpenter um you know Austin Meadows is on his own timeline so he's just going to have to figure out his own personal stuff and then we'll assess things from there um if you're the Tigers and you know you go and pick up a guy for cash this week and you know, shout out, made some plays. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But there's, it's actually more barren 
than I think we ever would have anticipated the Tigers being positionally as well. And I'm looking at, like, I don't really, some people are like, oh, is Malloy, is he going to, you know, he's playing outfield now. Is that an indication? Maybe, but I also would say that that was probably part of the plan the whole time as well. You mentioned Parker Meadows there. He's, he's, he still kind of needs to find it himself too. And then you're just kind of going down the line and kind of figuring out like, what can you possibly, like, where do you turn to? I don't know really, I'm not really sure where you turn, Cody. I don't know if you have any indications or ideas that you think like, oh, this makes some sense. But like, there's, there's not a lot of options that you think like, yes, this feels right. This feels on time. Not necessarily right, but this feels on time. You know what I mean? It just yeah. Ugh. Yeah. A few thoughts on this. I think one, it's a reminder that all this stuff we talk about all spring training doesn't matter. It's a good reminder that spring training just doesn't matter. Remember when you know there were people? Why isn't Lipschitz on the opening day roster? This would be a great time to have Andre Lipschitz and Parker Meadows just banging on the door. Uh, but it's been more like uh, they've, they've just been kind of standing on the porch and they're they're a little afraid to ring the doorbell for some reason. You know, Malloy was like was like ready to walk in the house, but then he forgot something in his car. You know, uh, the outfield thing, I'm told, was kind of pre-planned. Uh, the whole positional versatility thing, it was in the works, going to happen before Riley Green's injury. Uh, one interesting development and kind of the biggest Hail Mary I can think of is a young man named Colt Keith, who's been playing a lot of second base, working on some of his own positional versatility. Uh, been absolutely tearing it up in Double A Erie as the Tiger League Tigers minor league hitter of the month. And I've got on pretty good authority that Colt Keith's timeline might just be getting accelerated. Um, I think he's going to stay in Erie through the conclusion of the first half of the double A season, which wraps up pretty quickly if you're familiar with the double A schedule. And then he's probably going to get boosted to, to Toledo. And from there, a lot will performance will dictate what happens. I think if Colt Keith goes to Toledo and plays well and shows he's at least adequate defensively, his stay in Toledo could be very short. Now, that still leaves you several weeks where you got to figure things out at the big league level. And I just don't think you have a lot of internal options. Um, this would be a great time for Scott Harris to pull off some of his wizardry. I don't know if Jake Marisnik is, is going to qualify as that or not, but looking at is there any other sort of tr savvy trade you can make? Is there anyone on the waiver wire? I, I think you need reinforcements. I don't know how much longer you can keep rolling out this same list of guys and just hoping they get going because it doesn't seem to be working. Um, and I don't know at what point do you just say, you know what? Let's give Parker Meadows a shot. Let's give Justin Henry Malloy a shot. I don't know. I'm not passionate about rushing any of those guys. If you don't think they're ready, if they're struggling in AAA, it's probably not going to be better in the big leagues. But I guess that goes back to the whole like earmarking at bats for young players. At, at a certain point, if this team falls more than five games out, probably rather have Malloy getting these at bats than Tyler Nevin, you know. But I, I think the hope is you don't get there. And I think it's going to be on the front office to do something. And I don't, I don't get paid enough to know what it is. Something to give A.J. Hinch a fighting chance in these ballgames. It's, it's just tough when you can't score and when you can't hit with runners in scoring position and when you can't get extra base hits. And when you're relying on a stellar outing from your starter, and as we saw, two of the three, really even Matt Boyd pitched well. Three games in Chicago, you got good efforts from your starting pitchers, and you For lost sure. all three games. Yeah, you know, the, the Colt Keith thing, without diving into it, and that oh, great nugget for the listeners here, that does seem like at least, like it's a decent enough combination of player progression and team need that it doesn't alarm me like maybe maybe i should be maybe i'm completely wrong about this but this is a guy that's been hyped for a while and he went and he took care of his business uh and if he goes to toledo and yeah and i again, don't think the tigers are doing this out of desperation as much as a little bit of there's a need at the big leagues and a lot of their evaluations and colt keith are really strong not only is this guy tearing it up in double a he's an advanced hitter um that they think is ready for a pretty big jump is his for is his major league debut going to be as an infielder or an outfielder at this rate it sounds like his debut will be as an infielder long term 
I probably think he's an outfielder. It's interesting. I, I guess the early reports are like he's better at second than third, which is kind of odd for a guy who's been knocked for like not being able to move. I don't know exactly how that works. It's interesting. And a guy who has a strong arm as well, but yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of food for thought. And you know, no offense, dude, but I just can't really watch a lot of like Tyler Nevin. Like I just like it. Just it's like maybe maybe this will propel him because I said about McKinstry. It's just uninspiring, <laughs> and that's what he was for like the first like what two weeks, sure. and, and and he and he turned around. So I'll just say the same thing about Nevin. It's just it's just uninspiring. I don't know what to kind of look for, like with him being out there. I just don't. Uh, I mean, even like Andy Abanez, you know, gave one a ride today. Like there's a little bit more to be like ah, but Nevin, I just don't, ha- I don't, I just don't see it. So like if you're telling me earmarking at bats for Nevin or Cole Keith. I'm not thinking about it that much. You know, actually, come to think of it, Cody, like if we're going to kind of sit here talking about rushing up prospects, promoting guys that aren't performing at the level that you'd be more comfortable with, you know, by the way, this is kind of what happened to Matt Manning. And speaking of things kind of swept under the rug, Matt Manning uh, threw, didn't he, this week? Didn't that happen? (laughs) It's just... Just remember that. Hopefully, that's a sign of good things to come uh, for him because obviously he's needed quite a bit right now. Uh, but a rash of injuries, some small, some large, kind of makes you examine your organization as a whole in terms of like the amount of able bodies you have or don't have. And like I said, this guy's kind of came to me like maybe this is just like. It's another reason to trade, like, Eduardo. It's like, again, you just need somebody. Like, you could, like, that possibility exists of entering into Scott Harris's mind. And I almost, like, hate to say it, but I also would say there's probably more than non-zero percent chance that Alex Lane gets dealt. Like, that's, I wouldn't do it. I like, I like keeping good guys that have control. Like, that's just, like, a general principle of mine. But we're heading down a road where we're not going to be able to definitively say, like, yeah, we're not doing that, you know. So, and I think it's fair to talk about this after he just had a, uh, it's not a blown save, but he just took a, took a loss. Like, eh, things could get dicey. Like, another example of why this, this stretch is crucial right here. Things could get dicey. So, I don't know. Maybe this is, like, a reflection of what Scott Harris probably felt about the team the whole time, is that there's just not that many my kind of dudes here and i and this is why i have to make these moves that are gonna make the team in theory like less competitive in the back half of the season that just kind of occurred to me maybe this is like more evidence of what maybe he thought all along i don't know yeah very interesting i think the you know do you trade lane do you trade foley we're going to talk a lot more about that in the next six weeks right right now i'm in the camp of probably not here's what i think scott harris would probably tell you like well, he, he said at winter meetings, like, nothing's off the table. But it depends what the offers are. If you're going to give me Wander Franco for uh, Alex Lang, yeah, we'll do that. If you're going to give me some guy who is, like, probably a 4A player for Alex Lang, I would not do that. Uh, the bottom line is these guys are under control for several more years, theoretically, could be part of your competitive window. You're not going to get the same return for a reliever. Uh, that you would a starter so I wouldn't be rushing trying to market those guys if the right if there's a team that gets really desperate and and you think you can get a major league caliber hitter it's a little bit of a different discussion I think chances that are a little bit slim Um, but Scott Harris will certainly have a lot of options to examine and if the Tigers do fall out of contention I do think the likelihood of more deals happening increases without a doubt so, I mean, he talked about how he needs to work some more magic. Obviously, the McKistry thing is a where would you be without this guy type discussion. Yeah. And there's another one that we'll talk about later. Uh, it's not worth a whole lot. Who knows how long he'll be on the team. But, you know, it, baseball, there's so many games. There's so many stories that you still – there's just a lot of opportunities to feel good, right? One of them was Jake Marisnik coming to Detroit, knowing nobody – First, out was it second pitch? First, you know, his first batter, you know, has to go track down a, a ball in, in Comerica Park, which is still deep, not as deep as it was, but still deep. It's kind of like, welcome to Detroit. 
And then he gets what proves to be the the game-winning RBI later. And that was like a feel-good. Like, all these bad things that happened to you as you had all this anticipation as a team. And you're able to at least go to the road trip with a win. And then Friday, so, you, you know, these things are sandwiched. And then Friday, you go to Chicago, and you got to call up a guy. Talk about rushing. Talk about not having the <laughs> evidence of being ready. You know, Reese Olsen. Like, I don't really want to break down a guy like one start or whatever, but there's no way in hell I was anticipating, like, no hitter no. through five. No. no way in hell. So, uh some positive things. We talked about a lot of frustrating things so far. Some positive things, I would say, is uh, obviously Reese and Marisnik, uh, you know, just having some contributions. They're not going to overrate it, not going to overplay it, but some nice moments. It's why we love the game. Uh, and I'm sure Reese is very, uh, you know, he took the loss. He got the runs there at the end. Uh, Will Vest conversation to be had maybe another time. Uh, but just a nice moment. Just a nice moment. And. Another thing, Cody, so normally, like, you know, you talked about, you know, with the Colt Keith thing, you know, my sources indicate, my, you know, have it on good authority. I'm kind of jealous of you when you get to do that sometimes. This <laughs> time, I get to say that. Yes, Ooh, your boy. What we got? Let's hear some inside your, info. Your boy's got some sources, all right, <laughs> as it relates to the Tigers. So... The Tigers this week it got announced that they're in partnership with a and uh someone's gonna tweet at me or message you to tell me about like how like wrong of the terminology I'm, like, I don't understand the dynamics of select travel baseball all that much because I I didn't do it so there's probably gonna be some things I get like wording wrong but more or less a prospect program called USA Prime National I got tipped off that this agreement happened. Or, yeah, what had happened that would be announced later. Last week, I called you and talked to you about it. And it's not going to get a whole lot of pub. Like, I don't know if anyone's written about it or whatever. But it is an interesting thing to just kind of talk about in theory. And then maybe something could come of it more tangible later. But it's my understanding. This is from my source. That's right. I got a source. It's from my source. <laughs> that this is going to really allow the Tigers to get deeper knowledge of some of the top prep prospects in baseball. Now, this is a national organization, hence the name USA Prime National, and they have one, some of the best teams in the country at the U-17, the U-16, and they, and they have like localized teams as well. It's a whole feeder system. And the Tigers are going to get first-hand knowledge about these guys and because anybody can watch film anybody can scout in person anybody can look at the trackman data and you know all these things it's a lot of that more or less is like public record in a way but you don't but you're not always going to really know like how does he come off how does he he's a pitcher like how does he enter the dugout after a rough inning how does he interact with coaching you know because again these are high school kids right how does he interact with his teammates? Like, like these are the kind of things that you're kind of lucky to know. Like, what was the thing about the Tigers with Riley Green in terms of knowing the kind of kid that he was at the time? Was, you know, had a guy in the front office whose daughter went to the same high school as him, and so they had a little bit of insider knowledge. Now, it's not like he wouldn't have been picked high anyway, but that made you more firm in your commitment to the person as well as the player so there's going to be more examples of this and you know if i can use like a basketball analogy for a second like a lot of times when you see like questionable team brings in a guy for workouts before the draft or a guy gets drafted in the second round that you know just is not going to be an nba player you just know it a lot of times that's just like working the agents it's, you know, like, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yeah. your back, and it'll pay off maybe down the line. I think there's a lot of, there's a big possibility that there's a kid that no one's even heard of right now that is going to go to college, and then he might come out after his junior year, or he might come out after his senior year. But he was, like, playing on these teams that the Tigers had a relationship with this organization, so they're going to know him a little bit more, and that could be, like, your 
like that could be how you 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 go all in on a Colt Keith type in those you know non premier rounds or whatever, or you know a Tarek Skubal like in those later ish rounds. Like the it's like laying the groundwork for relationships, and if you do right by this USA Prime National, like they're gonna they're gonna want to do right by you as well. So I think there's a lot of possibilities here. I don't know when we'll get anything tangible, but I do know that this is something that. The Tigers, this is like proof that the Tigers are going about certain aspects of their player development, player acquisition process in a different way than before. I don't know how unique it is across baseball, but I do know that this is something that the the organization ought to be like kind of proud of. Like this is something that I think, or I should say the, the fans of the organization ought to be proud of because this is how you get this is how you develop a deep foreign system and a plethora of guys in the major leagues that you feel good about because you went and invested in knowing more than just what you and I could just do on the field, on the internet, and all that stuff. I think this is a good sign for the front office that they went and they did something like this. Certainly seems like an innovative way of going about scouting. Doesn't seem like something Alavila would have done. So if you're looking for tangible evidence of change under Scott Harris, here's something you can put under that column, right? At the same time, I kind of hate this for like baseball, like travel baseball, select baseball is already too uh, out of hand. Like talked about not knowing the ins and outs. Well, it's changed even in the decades since I was living in that world and I never made it to the high enough levels to be on the, you know, national select, the, the select of the select of the select. Um, and now it's like you're going to have teams bidding for relationships with high school select teams. Like, I think it's out of hand and makes the game inaccessible and, and kind of sucks for the just the just the sport, you know, just just youth sports in general. Right. If you're a parent uh, and, I, you know, neither of us are parents yet, but we've already talked about this. What happens when your kid gets into sports and your kid turns eight years old and it's like. Do we just uh, throw out the budget so this eight-year-old can play in this tournament, you know? Because if the answer is no, your kid can get phased out of, of you know, being competitive in that sport real quickly. Uh, I know this is at the higher levels, and it's it's high school, and it's elite-level prospects, but it's one more complication to what's really become a wide world, a wild world. It's not just baseball. It's obviously basketball with AAU and and you see it in, in women's sports, soccer. volleyball and softball, soccer. Oh, man. I think it sucks in that regard. But in terms of this for the Tigers, uh, it seems really interesting. I want to learn a little more about it. Um, educate myself a little more on if there are other teams that even do this. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, but, hey, anything that gets if, – if you're Scott Harris, if you're Rob Metzler, if you're a Tiger scout, anything that gets you a little more information is a good thing. Yeah, and – I would probably say innovative, taking advantage of like using every resource and every avenue. Like these are things that you want front offices to do, right? So yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna disagree with you on you know the AAU. I'm just gonna put it all under the AAU cloak. Like I'm not gonna disagree with you about the AAU thing at large, uh, but just in terms of how this applies to building the Tigers, this definitely seems like a good thing that again maybe in four years we see like oh yeah that was because of this mm -hmm. move and it's not sexy to do anything it's just like anything else behind the scenes right now with the technology use and performance science all these things it's like it's not real sexy and you don't really know if it's going to work in terms of like tangible result uh but it's still the right thing to do and it's a good thing to do for the front office so uh speaking of good things we we we, we Nice, nice back half of the podcast here, Cody. A little positive. Uh, Tarek Skubal pitched today at West Michigan. You had seen him do two live BPs, is that correct? Two, yeah. Two live yeah. BPs, and we're not breaking down live BPs, and we're not going to break down two innings at West Michigan, but I'm a big believer in, did you do what you're supposed to? And Tarek Skubal threw... Uh, 13 pitches, 12 pitches, whatever it was, like 10, 10, 12 pitches, 12 pitches, 10, 10 for strikes. Like I said, two innings of work allowed to hit. Uh, according to uh, according to the Twitter sphere, he topped off at 96 miles per hour. 
and I guess he went and just kind of finished off like you know however many pitches he wanted to get to in uh, in a bullpen. But again, not going to break this down. Derek Scoobal, I think, it has high end starter potential in the major leagues. Don't really think I'm breaking any news here about that opinion. So he went down to West Michigan and he shoved. All right, cool. I mean that sincerely. Sincerely, cool. That seems like we're on the right track. Well, you can't rush, obviously, pitcher yeah, injuries. Yeah. But... What people want to know is, okay, what now? We, can he can he start Tuesday? You know, uh, and that's the only reporting I would add to this. It's going to be multiple rehab starts. I don't know if he'll, um, you know, what level he'll go to next, but I'm under the impression it's almost going to be like a second spring training for Scooble. We're talking four to five rehab starts. Um, Sounds discouraging. Then you map that out, and it's like, okay, he could still be back in the big leagues within a month, you know, which is exciting. But it's not going to be snap your fingers, you know, one game in West Michigan, one game in Toledo, boom. Uh, They're going to build him up a little bit, make sure he's at five, six innings by the end of this thing, and and make sure they do it the right way. Yeah, way too valuable of a resource and a guy uh, to to rush that and – you know, you, you would you would wish if Kerry Carpenter in Toledo was, you know, having some oh, he did what he's supposed to do moments. I don't I don't think that's yeah. that's not going so well. And I don't believe he's even played in the field yet. He struggled a little bit. He's only DH'd. Uh last I heard he had not been cleared to throw. I'm not sure if that changed. If so, I guess he's just now beginning to throw, like not able to make, you know, game speed game level throws What a weird field. thing because uh, you know, your right shoulder is pretty important hitting. And uh <laughs> If you're a left-handed hitter, right? And <laughs> uh, beats me, man. I, I'm I'm not a doctor. Yeah, I'm not is, doubting is it. I'm all just... I can say, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not doubting it. I'm just saying, like, it. It's just kind of funny to think about, but I know it's different moment uh, movements and muscles using all that stuff. I understand. Uh, all right. So we're talking. We did a lot of. We did more trade deadline talk than I think we were kind of anticipating to have to do, especially last week. You know, when we talked about like all yeah. the good things, and now it's like, are you going to be in a desperate situation? So <laughs> now it's yeah, now it's who's getting sold. It's never what you want to be talking about. But we're gonna do that. I don't want to re- overreact too strongly to a, a three-game, you know, series. But same time, it was the White Sox, a division foe, it's a team that's not very good, and you just lost your two best players. Like I think it is fair to treat this. Uh, with a little bit of gravity here. Like, it's obviously not a good development this past week for the Tigers. And I'm not saying it's sinking their ship, but I'm saying this next week, the week after that, very important that you find a way to stay afloat, in my opinion. Which is what you wrote about this week, too, is like, or, you know, can they stay afloat? And, yeah. you know, I think they can. Like, I, I legitimately think they can because... Someone's going to have to hit the ball. Someone's going to have to hit the ball. I agree. But it's like a faith in AJ thing, and I, again, I know it's the White Sox, but you're depleted, so you, so they're probably thinking it's the Tigers, right? So, right. Uh, like, th- position to win all those games, and those are the kind of little things I'm looking for, and you got to be able to string those out. You can't. I know it's asking a lot of pitchers these days, but you can't just like blow two zero leads in the seventh with a. With a double and a base hit, like back-to-back after getting two outs, which I believe was the situation today. So, it's right there. Like, you're fully capable of treading water. And if our goal is to play meaningful baseball, that's still on the table. It's also yeah. very much on the table. Look at this schedule. You got you got seven games against the Twins this month. This whole month, you might you might be able to... Look, you're you're gonna lose some of these. Probably gonna lose a couple to the Braves. You know, maybe you get maybe you play well against the Royals. That's obviously not an exact science either. Uh, but you're probably gonna win some and lose some. And this month might really come down to how do you play against the Minnesota Twins. We had a long podcast last week, so I didn't get to like kind of go on this. But I was like, oh well, we can do it next week, and it'll be the same. No, no, it's not. Shows how much I know. Uh, but I was going to be like, those seven games against the Twins, it's going to be so crucial. Like, that's where your competitiveness could could crater in terms of, like, for the division. Or, you know, mm-hmm. you could, like, propel yourself in a way. And Because, again, no one really should really feel that. You shouldn't be intimidated playing the Twins, right? Like, no one is. Oh. So, that, that was going to be one of the things. Uh, you, we, might be, you might be intimidated facing Willie Castro, baby, <laughs> who is going off. Proving the people and turn the corner wrong. How many? 
God, he'd be playing every day right now. You imagine? Like, he'd be playing <laughs> every day. It's crazy. Speaking of old friends, so I have a, uh, I have a thought. I'm not sure if I 100% believe it. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. But I kind of wanted to talk it out a little bit here, Cody. Nick Maton. The Wolfie. Uh, it's, it, it doesn't inspire confidence right now to have him as your DH. And so I was thinking, is Nick Maton Cody Clemens with better PR? Right now he's worse than Cody Clemens. <laughs> Cody Clemens so, is outperforming him, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, There's some similarities <laughs> in their in their game and their profile. But how sure. we feel about him, like, is like the 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 shine on Cody Clemens like left like pretty quickly once he got up to Detroit. Yeah. And Nick Maton has, I think, still has relative shine because you know he hit one to the track today and, uh, like. You still like want it so bad for him because again, I think people like the guy. Right now, I'm just gonna give some basic numbers. 166 batting average, on base 291. He's a negative 0.8 WAR guy. Cody Clemens in a utility role, but getting relatively yeah, a good amount of playing time. 244 with an on base of 306. He's got four home runs to Maton's five, and he's worth 0.2 WAR. So you're looking at, now I'm no math major, but that's 1.0 difference. And I feel like if Cody Clemens was having the Nick Maton season, he'd be run out of Detroit right now. Yeah. A lot more familiarity in the system. Already had a chance for sure. You're right. Um, And if you want to know why Nick Maton is still getting trotted out in the order, kind of hard to believe, but his own base percentage since May 16th, entering Sunday, was 413. All right, he started taking a lot of walks, 12 walks in 15 games. Scott Harris, you know, AJ, I don't think they can preach control the strike zone, control the strike zone, and then uh, demote a guy once he starts drawing some walks. Obviously, the hits aren't really coming, the power's not there, but I think he's walked enough to give himself a little more rope. Um, and you either he starts hitting or or the walks fade. Like, this is, this is going to, one thing's going to turn into another here, and we'll see how it goes at the same time. Like you can't hit one sixty or whatever it is all season, and be your DH, like that. That's that that opti- definitely not what you, optically. Not what that's, optically for. that's just so you awful. Know, your your other DH, Miguel Cabrera, has like you know three hits this week, so <laughs> things are really trending up, right? He had a he had a double. <laughs> that is true. I did laugh about. I did laugh when that happened. You know, just kind of chuckle. It's like, up oh, there's there's your little instance of Miggy that still exists or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and a. Uh, and a killer how did he not injure himself on that slide by the way if you can call it that it was more like a downward jump like like i don't know every time i've watched miguel cabrera slide for the past five years i've just been like (laughs) and he always pops up and he's fine (laughs) like and you know it was exactly what it needed to be but uh again like if this had been a fun week that would have been like one of the most fun moments you know yeah, but right, right. but it was but it wasn't a fun week uh hkg a lot of a lot of scott harris what are you gonna do discussions today so let's give him some credit you know boyd had a nice outing uh i didn't see a lot of pushback to taking him out today i know it's the third time through the order thing uh thought it was brilliant yeah i thought it was the right move i thought it was the right move especially when can the Tigers trade for Tim Anderson? That might be the Eduardo trade I'm most in favor of. Just trade for Tate Anderson so you don't have to see him facing Tigers pitching anymore. For real. Uh, but, yeah, with Tim Anderson coming up, it's like, thanks thanks for uh, – You just had that feeling. Like, we've talked about it before. Like, it kind of felt like one more inning of Boyd. <laughs> you might see single walk homer, boom. Yeah. You know, and as much as AJ has been like, well, the pinch comes low, whatever. Like, AJ got him out of there, and I thought that was very, very smart. Yeah, and you know, you look at the arms that they threw out there. A lot of arms that you would want, you do slash want to feel confident on, uh, just didn't work out. Uh, so, Michael Lorenzen, we've 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 given him, I feel like, adequate flowers, but he's he, pitching well. He is one ERA, one point eight three in his last six starts. Wow, that's a that's wow. a pretty good sample size uh, there. And it's, it's shaky as he started out, I just feel like he's got to be HKG number one. 
he's obviously with that kind of free agent signing that's not like on the margins like stuff like the McKinstry move or you know Mariznick or I mean, whatever a little bit like it yeah, was it but... was a undervalued yeah. they thought there was a there was untapped potential there and it yeah. looks like they might have been right true true but it's it's not on the it's not on the level of like cash considerations trade or a waiver claim or whatever <laughs> sure, uh, sure. so got to give him credit cuz I, I mentioned this earlier but like Lorenzen's another guy that as of right now it's like where would we be without this guy because with mm-hmm. with the starting pitching so much up in the air like you it's going to be a moral victory of sorts if you can get five innings, if you can get an out in the six just to spare these arms that are, you know, you just have to anticipate they're going to be relied upon more, right? So, like, uh, credit to Michael Lorenzen for just shoving right now because he's pitching like a top-of-the-rotation guy. That's not his ceiling. Things these things will level off. But as of now, like six starts, one point eight three. I mean, that's that is crucial for that. Like, you know, I have some other guys that are going to perform on some sort of level like that if, in order to do the stay afloat thing that we were talking about. So shout out Michael Lorenzen, HKG number one as of now. Yeah, I'm going to go HKG number two, Braden Bristow. Is this guy not the embodiment of the Scott Harris era? claimed from the Rays a while back like a couple weeks ago gets called up for the ma- to the majors he's there for less than 24 hours gets sent back down the ultimate on the margins extra body here's a guy uh and then we're going to move on to the next one uh came in you know through an inning whatever uh, i guess it was i guess it was serviceable and uh then he was then he was out of town yeah, he actually got in on like uh, Brandon White earlier in the year, where he, uh, yeah he got to be in uniform, but didn't come in the game. Which, by the way, speaking of my guy Brandon White, I'm I was surprised the Tigers are going to go the Garrett Hill route. I uh, Evan Woodbury from M Live suggested this idea, and I think it's what I would have wanted to see happen. Rather than this, this Garrett Hill song and dance, like leverage Tyler Alexander and or Mason Inglert for kind of a, a piggyback, like start day and call up someone like Brendan White or Miguel Diaz to provide reinforcements in your bullpen. I like that idea better personally. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you there. And I will say, like, if we're not going to get extended Tyler Alexander, I'm I'm just going to have to wonder, like, then what, then, then what, what for, you know, like in yeah. terms of, of his place on the roster? Because I do think, like, you know, lefties that are versatile, I value. But if you're not going to use him in that way, and it seems like they've tried their – and I understand there's more factors, right? But they've tried their hardest to really not go that route. And mm-hmm. they're running out of options, pun intended, uh, to to not go that route. So, like, if that doesn't happen here with as depleted as the staff is, I got to start questioning what's the, what's the point of having Tyler Alexander. Now, do you not believe in him? Do you, you know it's an interesting question and, and a ph- philosophical thing think the last couple of years we saw so many of these spot starts and kind of piggybacks and we haven't seen that really at all this year so i don't know if it's for some reason scott harris just doesn't like that doesn't like having guys change their roles i don't know so it seemed like aj was all about that stuff and and now we're not seeing it um one bit yeah and ironically you hire a guy in your front office i know he's not directly related to you know the major league but you hire a guy from Tampa Bay, and this is the year yeah, that you're not this is true. that you're not using the uh, the opener route at all or whatever. So I don't know, Cody. It's going to be an interesting week. Uh, kind of edge on your seat for the not so hot reasons, but still on the edge of your seat to see what this team's going to do. And I'm going to continue to kind of look as best I can at that kind of intangible stuff, like how are they handling this, like body language with AJ. Uh, which, by the way, that's got to be a weird thing for a manager. Uh, Fetter and, and Lombard kind of fall into his category as well. It's like you really can't have a lapse in expression or body language because you know, like at any time, the camera's gonna be yeah, on your own you. camera. I would be terrible at that, man. Someone made a mistake. I mean, I I mowed up in the press box, just like, what are you doing? Or like. That's without even having a stake. I would. People when, are like AJ needs to show more emotion. It's like I, I would show too much emotion yeah. if I were in the dugout. You know. When Jake Rogers had that uh, pass ball there, uh, there in the ninth, I believe it was. Uh, 
AJ just like looks at the ball. He just kind of like turns his head, like like a, like a car going down a highway. You know, he just kind of turns his head. Doesn't even like doesn't change any expression. Uh, so shout out AJ for keeping it together. Uh, all right, Cody. Uh, hope everything's going. Uh, you know, doing okay for for you and uh, you and your family going through this. Uh, you know, life stuff sometimes. Obviously, we need no reminders of that. But uh, had a lot of fun doing this podcast. Is there anything else you wanted to get into before we uh, jet out of here? No, no, all good now. Uh, yeah, my my grandmother on my mom's side had passed away, and obviously sad. But um, you know, she was old, and, and uh, it was it, it was her time, and I think she's in a better place now. And uh, glad to get back and spend a little time with family. But all is good here, so uh, we'll be back to back to the grind as normal uh, starting Monday. All right. Well, it's good to hear that everybody's uh, handling things well. Because, like I said, it's tough. Nothing really prepares you for it. So. All right, you can follow us on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Pod page at Turn Corner Pod. Subscribe to The Athletics. You can read Cody's great work. Subscribe to us, please. Apple, Spotify, five-star review. If you feel so inclined, subscribe on YouTube when we can put up more present information like this podcast was. Uh, Turning the Corner Podcast on YouTube. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I am Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great week.